Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, everybody. Ethan here. Mike here. And welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things St. Louis Blues. It's episode number 17. That's right. It's the Jaden Schwartz episode. Can't go with anybody else here but Jaden Schwartz. We're in that big old number 17. Gotta love that guy. Yeah, I'd say the last... Go ahead. Miss him, honestly. You know, he brought a huge dynamic here to this team. You know, big injury-prone player. Really big. But... When he was active, when he was playing, I mean, just a huge heart and soul kind of guy. Yeah, inconsistency was an issue. But, I mean, you look mm-hmm. at 2019 was a great example of that. He had more goals in the playoffs in the regular season. I think he had 12 in the playoffs and 11 in the regular season that year. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he was great during the cup run. Obviously, the Winnipeg series, he was big time in the first round of that of that year. So, oh, yeah. shout out to Jaden Schwartz, who did get paid. So, Seattle paid him. That was good for him. And uh, the last two episodes have been pretty obvious choices. I mean, hole was uh, very obvious for 16, yeah. 17, same way. 18, going to be interesting, but we'll see uh, what happens with that one there. But before we get into it, and there's a lot to discuss today, whether it's you know good or bad, I think probably bad, but we'll get into it. Uh, thank you to the listeners for, for listening to the, to the program, the Believe Network. Uh, you can hit that subscribe button, whatever you want to do. Uh, you don't miss a single show, five-star rating. You can give us, uh, join the conversation over on Twitter at TBN pod and share the podcast on social media. So other blues fans can find us as well. We're going to skip around the central. We'll get to around the central when things are really settled down here. Cause I think still think there's a little bit more to happen this off season, yeah. most notably a couple, you know, fairly good free agents still out there to be signed. Namely, I would say Nazem Kadri and uh, John Klingberg being the two big ones, but yeah. I feel like they might both stay in the central. So we'll see what happens there. But without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, the, the saga is over and he's headed to the uh, Florida Panthers. So not coming home to St. Louis, very sad, very annoying, but there's a lot of things to discuss with this. Yeah, he was looking at this, you know, and just kind of doing some research. Is this the biggest trade in the last decade, last 15 years? I mean, like, when was the last time that you saw two 100 plus point players trade for, for one another? Looking back here, I mean, I didn't find a single case here of this. And not only that, this was actually the first time a sign and trade happened in NHL history, which is how the Panthers were able to get Kachuk underneath of an eight-year contract rather than a seven-year contract. So before the before the Flames even traded him, he did officially sign with the Calgary Flames, and then they moved him on to the Florida Panthers. So um, for those who have been living under a rock for the last couple of days, the trade was the Calgary Flames sending 24-year-old restricted free agent and I guess, you know, under contract then uh, winger Matthew Kachuk and a conditional fourth round pick in 2025 to the Florida Panthers for 29-year-old winger Jonathan Huberdo, 28-year-old defenseman Mackenzie Wegar, 21-year-old prospect Cole Schwint, and a 2025 lottery-protected first round draft pick. Wow. I mean, a monster deal. And I, there, there's a lot of different avenues to do, to go with this trade, but I feel like um, this is just, 
it's it's really because like Huberto and Uyghur are both going to be UFAs after next season. So I think that's going to be yeah. really hard for the Flames to figure out. But yeah. as of right now, you're signaling that you're still trying to win. Like you lost your right. two best players. And I think their top line is probably going to be what? Huberto. I don't know who their number one center is going to be. And then Lindholm. So that's still a pretty good top line. Um, who the heck's the Let's center? Let's take a look here. So daily faceoff right Backland. now is projected as Huberto on the left, Lindholm okay. center, and Toffoli on the right. Like their daily faceoff top nine right now is not that bad. Like that's a competitive no, like Huberto, no. Lindholm, Toffoli. Second line, Mangiapane, Backlund, Coleman. Third line, Petillier or Petillier, whatever you want to pronounce, I guess they're Monaghan, Dubé, mm-hmm. and then like a gritty fourth line. And then their defensive unit, I mean, McKenzie Wigger's a very good defenseman, like elite level defenseman. Like he, I would he say could potentially surpassed him last season. Yeah, he was top yeah. 10 last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a pretty good decor's way of Hannafin, Anderson, then Wigger, Tanev, and then Shillington, Zadorov. Like, and if Markstrom is what Markstrom has been in the past, this is a a playoff team again, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, so that's Huge a big – like we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the trade a little bit more here in a moment, but like that is – what Brad Tree Living was able to do here is pretty impressive to get this package. And uh, we'll get into mm-hmm. it from the Blues' perspective soon, but like say what you will about the fact that Huberto and Uyghur could very well walk after next season. This is a great win-now trade for the Flames – Right. And uh, this kind of they're more flexible now, because I also wonder, like, if you're Calgary right now, looking at your cap space situation, do you focus because they have nine point three right now in projected space with an RFA in Mangiapane and an RFA in Shillington. So you're going to put what, like five to six mil between those two, probably. So you're still going to have three mil left over. Do you mm-hmm. add another depth piece or do you trade one of these RFAs and take a big swing for Kadri as your number one center? Like, I I don't think that that's out of the question and then you throw Lindholm back on the wing. Um, but no. I feel and like from, – From what I've heard, they've already reached out to Kadri and Kadri said no. Yeah, I kind of figured that was the case because I think he did reject a trade there uh, when Toronto was trying to trade him. So that dream lasted a few minutes for them. But, hey – Calgary's nothing says you can't circle back. Yeah. And they're showing that they're trying to win. Like, I feel like whenever they reached out to him originally, it was probably Goudreau's probably gone and we might trade Kachuk. Now it's, it's done. We got a hundred point score and an elite defenseman from last season back. Uh, We're trying to win still. So um, I, I I do think the production for Huberto will go down a little bit. I think the same could be said about Kachuk. And I think the same could be said about somebody like Lindholm who had 40 goals last season. So yeah. Uh, but I mean, this trade is really something. It's definitely the biggest trade in a long time. Like, there's no doubt to me that this is because you're talking about two 100 point scorers, but yeah. you're also talking about a guy who is a top like eight to 10 defenseman in the entire league last season. Right. And if there was any sort of term or if they could get an extension done with Huberto or Weir, this would make this trade even better for Calgary. That's not yeah. to say this isn't good for Florida, but. Man, do I like this trade for the Flames, especially with the fact they're trying to win now. Like, if they can convince, I, I find it hard to, I it'd be hard to convince me that they're going to be able to re-sign Huberto. But I think there's a chance with Uyghur. So, uh, yeah. but this is really something. Yeah, I mean, not only the fact at one point you were going from okay, we just lost Goudreau for nothing, we just lost another player for nothing. What like the third, fourth season in a row? Then you were told, okay, Kachuk is not re-signing. We cannot lose him again for nothing. Cannot. But 
he wants to go where he wants to go. He's only going to resign in certain spaces. So he controls all the cards. And Tree Living says, mm, not so fast. And somehow, some way, he makes the trade happen. And like you said, he acquires a 100-point scorer, an arguably top-pairing defenseman, a prospect, and another first-round draft pick, which if you look at it, I don't think Florida has a first-round draft pick until 2026, which is just outright insane. So not only do they then only lose Goudreau for nothing, they then get Huberto and Uyghur. If they cannot resign both of those guys, they now have two chances to acquire more picks, more players, and again, a 2025 first-round draft pick and a guy in Cole Schwind who could be pretty darn good. I mean, he may not be like the best player in the entire world, but I mean, definitely like a middle six guy, I think, from what I've been been reading up here on him. So they have a really, really good chance here at this point to, again, swing with these guys. And if it doesn't work, trade them at the deadline and be able to keep acquiring assets and to keep the process going. So I I love this for floor, for Calgary. Yeah, um, my initial thoughts, this is the Panthers taking a huge swing. This is Bill Zito saying we're mm-hmm. trying to win now. We want to get a little bit of a different feel in our forward group, and I think they did that. Um, I'd be surprised if Calgary can get Uyghur and Huberto to resign. Um, I think one of them is possible, but I also think it depends on how they play. If they're good this year, if they're if Calgary's good this year, then I think you have a little bit of a better chance. I think Kachuk fits well for what Florida wants to be now. Like Florida played regular what, season hockey in the playoffs last year and it burned them. What is Florida? What do you think? So fits well for Florida, like with what they want to be. What exactly is that though? Because just up and giving up on a player and moving a player who was again a top ten player in the NHL. For a guy who hasn't even outscored him, like you're taking a loss plus moving a defenseman, plus moving another first round pick, plus moving a prospect. Like what what is Florida wanting to be exactly? I would say that Florida is a team that played too much regular season hockey in the playoffs last year. And Kachuk is a power forward, a bigger body. Look how big they are up front now with Kachuk and Barkov. So, mm-hmm. um, and Huberto, I think there's the age factor. I don't love the idea of giving up Uyghur in this deal as well, but I feel like if this is the guy they wanted and they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I look at Florida's top six right now, and I'm like, I think Calgary's top six might be better. Um, oh, absolutely. I think Florida has – the best player. I think Barkov is the best out of any of the players on either team, but Verhage, Barkov, Kachuk, and then, of course, this is a daily face-off projection, so it's not 100% accurate, but Rudolph's Balsers, Sam Bennett, Sam Reinhardt. Uh, their third line's good, though. Cousins, Lundell, White, and then fourth line is Lomberg, uh, Luo Steranen, and uh, Hornqvist, which they got to move some money because they still are negative in the cap, right. so I, I, I wonder what they do there, and then defensively, like Forsling, Ekblad, Carlson, Gudis, and Stahl Montour. Like, that's not great. I, I think Florida's relying on the fact that they're going to be historically good offensively again, which I don't think they that's going to happen. And also, yes. don't forget, Anthony Duclair is still on this team as well. So that's another player I did not mention. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. It's, 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 it's a big swing and they're taking, they're taking a shot. 
I, I don't know how this is going to work out. I think they're playing a little bit of the long game and the short game at the same time here. Um, but I, I wouldn't think Huberto's happy about this. No, no. And I mean, I, I believe he came out and I couldn't be able to find an article here again, but I believe that he even came out and said that he was not happy with how the trade went down. So I, I would not be surprised. And boy, oh boy, is Calgary going to riot if Huberto leaves. Yeah. And pardon me would laugh if he just leaves for nothing. So I don't know. I mean, I personally, I mean, I think that this damages the Panthers overall in the short run. You know, it takes away from an area of, of their strength in defense. It just adds to their offense. And arguably, I think they kind of stayed the same in offense. You know, you look at Kachuk last year, 115 to 104 points. Huberto to Kachuk. But also over the last three seasons, Huberto outscored Kachuk 254 to 208. So, you know, you're you're getting a different dynamic, and that's great. I mean, because GMs spend arguably their entire lifetime trying to find a player in Matthew Kachuk. He's he's such a well-rounded, feisty, just Brad Marchand kind of type that like you hate to play up against. But this is a guy who every single GM dreams of having. So that's that's great. You know, at that point, like you're not really paying for the points. The defense for Florida, they got worse. You know, their prospect pool just became shallower. Huberto, though, also averaged nearly two points of ice time more than Chuck last season. And sure, he had less goals, but he probably played a better overall game here as well. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, I get it why Florida did it, but I don't understand why they gave up so much. I mean, if I'm Florida, I mean, I'm kind of ecstatic that we got Matthew Kachuk, but holy crap, we gave up what? Like, oh, man. Oh, man. I can't think the Calgary thought they were going to get that much. Like, I think no. when, mm-hmm. when they heard that offer, they said done and then hung up. Because when I tell you what the Blues reported offer was, you're going to laugh and throw up at the same time. So uh, right, we, let's won't, hear it. We, we need to get into that. Um, okay, so this is Jeremy Rutherford, The Athletic. I mean, this is just. Uh, here's here's a quote from this article that came out. Uh, this was Kachuk, all kinds of stuff from the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, the finalists were St. Louis and Carolina, right next to Florida. Uh, but here's the quote. Uh, but it appears that it never got that far because offers from St. Louis and Carolina didn't measure up to what Calgary eventually received from Florida. One source no said <laughs> the Blues proposal included Vladimir Tarasenko, Marco Scandella and a high draft pick. The team officially declined comment. Now, if that if that is your offer, that is that is horrendous. Like, at what point do you think, well, Doug's making the tough decisions, or do you think, well, Doug's making stupid decisions? Like from the whole Perron thing to this, I I'm not gonna advocate that it's time for Armstrong to be gone because it's not. But I think this summer could be very telling if the team has a rough one next season and then Mm -hmm. he messes things up even more next summer because that is a pathetic offer. The next part of this says the Flames' interest in Tarasenko or lack thereof was an issue. He has just one season left on his contract, though they traded for two players, Huberto and Uyghur, who are also entering the final year of their deals. They're also better players than Tarasenko and younger by a little bit. Uh, One could also question whether Tarasenko would have waived his no-trade clause to play in Calgary. His agent... 
Paul Theophanus, probably not how you pronounce it, but we'll go, that did not immediately return a message. Uh, Carolina put together a package that included uh, Marty Natchez. So that was about, I mean, that is like, like, it doesn't even sound like the Blues got even close here. Like not even, not even no. close. No, and I'm curious to know what Carolina was offering here. Like, was that the complete offer? It just said in a package that included Natchez. So package I'm sure I, if I had to guess, I would say Natchez, a prospect and a first round pick or something like that. So like, yeah, I mean, that's, you, that sounds more to me like a hockey trade, you know, that's a hockey level trade. And then you had Billy Zito come in with an NBA type trade. I mean, like a huge, massive blockbuster trade because, you know, we were even talking last week, you know, the Blues, we figured we're going to offer, what was the deal? It was Tarasenko, Barbashev, Balduke, and the 2023rd first round pick. So I think we would have been close with that. I think Balduke's a much better prospect than what they got. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even for this, I think you'd need to substitute Barbashev for either Pareko or Falk. And I think you're pretty much there then at that point. I think you also need to substitute Bull Duke with like a little bit, like maybe the third or fourth prospect. Yeah. Or, or uh, Alexandrov and another prospect, two prospects. Um, But like, I'm really, I think this, I think it's right for blues fans to be questioning Doug Armstrong this summer, because at what point do we just say, you know, say how tough he is with decisions. Like this is just pure stupidity. Like, how do you not get close here? How do you not put together a better offer for a 24 year old? I would call him a superstar based on how good he's been in his entire career in terms of points per game, especially over the last couple of seasons. I know he's playing on a great line, but he'd be playing on a good line here as well. And this leads me to Kachuk's quote on his own about um, Robert Thomas, because this says the Blues efforts came with a sales pitch from Robert Thomas. The two were recently in in Boston for a golf tournament. And Kachuk said, I don't think he means to pitch it, but he talked about it a lot. Shout out to Robert Thomas. No he's kidding. A great, he's a great player, and it would be cool to be with him. He's going to have a great rest of his career. He's one of the big parts of the future in St. Louis, and I'm sure lots of guys are going to sign in St. Louis for the chance to play with him. But I'm really excited to go to Florida. The talent they have there is really special as well. So Doug Armstrong, from all accounts, Jeremy Rutherford, his article is basically saying Doug Armstrong didn't even try that hard. So I think he's just expecting that every GM is as dumb as Chuck Fletcher. I think it's what he's doing here. So like that is just I'm I'm very disappointed in, in the fact that the Blues didn't even seemingly didn't even try that hard. Like if you think because you well the, the the top player that you offer you don't even know if he's going to accept a deal there. Yeah, and the that player the Flames don't even like him that much. Like it's just well, and so this this goes into my next point here. So the Blues only had so much to be able to work with because. If you look at, I mean, how many times does the high number of no trade clauses on the Blues roster play a factor? More dumb decisions by by Armstrong there. His contracts, yeah, yeah. bad decisions. Like, I I did some research here in and around just the Central Division alone, and the Blues have the most no trade clauses among every single team in the NH in the Central Division, with ten. 
They have eight players underneath of a full no trade clause this season, two additional players underneath of modified no trade clauses in Buchnevich and Scandella. Thomas's no trade clause goes into effect in the 25 26 season and then becomes a modified no trade clause in a 15 team no trade in the last season here itself. So it's 10 no trade clauses, followed by Winnipeg at eight, Minnesota at seven, Chicago at six. Sorry, Chicago and Dallas here at six. Like it just it blows my mind on, on how much he says, you know, he is in the driver's seat. He does not want players in the driver's seat. Well, Doug, I'm terribly sorry. I've got some news for you, sir. You have 10 players who can dictate their own future. And if they don't want to move their no trade clause, that is severely handicapping you, especially when you are offering them 6.5, 7, and 8 plus million dollars a season. How the so, hell does Mason Marchman have a no movement clause? There's mm-hmm. a lot of teams in the in the central with no move clauses. That hey, at least at least There's he doesn't do lot. that. They lost Petrangelo over the no movement clause, uh, but hey, he'll give out the no trade clauses like they're drugs. I mean, come on, it's just it's ridiculous. The eight yep. players with no trade clauses, eight. Yep. And most of those players should be traded, like at some point. It, yeah, at the very least, be able to have a modified no trade. I mean, something. He handcuffed himself, I, and and yes. he's. It yep. principles, oh, I can't give out no move clauses. Okay, you lost the captain because of that. Uh, you didn't even try. I, I could, and I could go for that. And I could go for that. I yeah. understand. I understand. I, I get that. But, but also, how many no trade clauses? Like, like your entire five of your seven defensemen under contract right now have no trade clauses, including the worst one has a modified no trade clause. Mm-hmm. And you gave Pareko a no trade clause. That's a contract you're going to want to trade at some point. Mm-hmm. You gave Krug a no trade clause who you are trying to trade or have talked to teams about. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's mind boggling. You talked to teams about Bennington last season, but you gave him a no trade clause as well. So like, at what point do you just stop doing that? Like, I just don't understand why they and have I, to handcuff themselves. Like and this. I, and I get it. There's a number of these veteran players that they want to have the security. They want to be in control here. They want to be able to dictate their future. But that's the part of signing these contracts and signing these veterans. And you need to have the good marriage. And unfortunately, Doug is just handcuffing himself into toxic marriages. And he's flipping the bill here for all of them and handcuffing himself. So it's just, I he is severely handicapping this team on what he can and cannot do. And from what it looks like, he is going to be severely handicapped on what he can be able to do for the next several years. And whether that's going to be him or somebody else in his place. I'll tell you this right now. Jordan Cairo better be a superstar because they, they clearly Doug Armstrong wanted no part of trading him at all in this deal. So, you don't want any part of trading Pareko either. Yeah, well, that's just that's just I I don't know. There's no way Armstrong thinks highly of Pareko if he's a smart GM. Come on, like, did he watch Pareko last season? It's not he's not the guy, and and the fact they just handed him an eight year deal so they could try to get the cap number down and avoid him hitting UFA. But hey, we'll let Petrangelo hit UFA. We'll let 
Perron at UFA and not even try to resign him. They're going to let Tarasenko, obviously. They're probably going to let O'Reilly at UFA. It Dumb. just this team oh, is yeah. going to be so bad in three years if, if this stays in this trajectory. They're going to be a team with like three or four elite players. I would say Falk will still be elite in three years, Thomas, Cairo, and Buchnevich. And the rest of the team is going to be terrible if this keeps on this track because yeah. clearly he has no intention of trying that hard to um, fix this, which that would be why the hell would you trade Tory Krug right now instead of Marco Scandella? Mm-hmm. Like under any circumstances, I don't care what it takes. If it's a second round pick, I don't care. Trade Scandella's contract. No doubt right about now, it. I'm telling you right now, this team reminds me a lot, a lot of what's going on in Winnipeg. Take a look at their financial situation, and it reminds me a lot of Winnipeg. They have a lot of teams, a lot of players handcuffed, a lot of players who are uncertain as far as the direction here of this team. The locker room is becoming a huge issue, and I get chills just thinking that that's exactly what's going to happen with the Blues. That yeah. It, so where where do the Blues go from here? Where 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 do they go? I mean, I think. Step number one is they they're going to you would have to think they're going to trade a left-handed defenseman now if they make the wrong decision with that and the only right decision is Scandella that's the yeah. only one don't trade Prunovich don't trade Krug have that left side of Krug Letty Prunovich have if a right this side team of trade Prunovich this whole the Blues fan base is going to riot yeah especially like think about the cap here Prunovich is going to be making. Uh, what was his deal that he signed? Let's see, uh, 750k. 50. Yeah, and he's an RFA after this season. Mm-hmm. You don't get rid of that, you get rid of the guy who is terrible and is making 3.275 for two years. He's, he's 32. He's a like, veteran, he brings yeah. experience. Yeah, he brings experience of being terrible, is what he brings. So, I'm just so out on Scandella. Um, that's got to happen. Like, if Doug Armstrong allows this team to go into next season with Mikola. Perunovic, Krug, Letty, Scandella, and you'll have Callie Rosen in the minors. That's six left-handed defensemen with three obvious ones that you should be playing, but I guarantee you they'll make the wrong decision. Or they'll say, oh, we're going to go 11 forwards and 7D, and we're going to throw, make sure Scandella gets his time in there. It's just – it's it's ridiculous. At some point, though, you have to – like, if there's no biters, you have to showcase him at some point. Somebody – there's got to be a team that isn't on his no-trade list that is looking to get assets in return for bad contracts. So it's probably not Arizona, but there's got to be somebody out there that's doing that. Like, yeah. do you think Seattle's on his list? Maybe not. Like, maybe you get luckier because you want to go back to Montreal. Does Montreal want him back? I mean, hey, why not? Uh, it's just – I don't care what it takes. you got to get it done. Like, yeah. there's also got to be a team that's not that bad out there that has a lot of salary cap flexibility – like New Jersey, what if they're not on his list? Or to the Islander, like somebody out there that isn't going to be that competitive, but they still have a lot of cap flexibility. Why wouldn't they take a pick to take on that contract? It's only two more years, and it's not that big of a cap. He's just not a good player and shouldn't be on a team that wants to contend under any circumstances, a team that's paying way too much to their defensive core, a defensive core that's not even good. So I think that's an issue here. Um, but I think what's next for the Blues is – what the hell is this forward group going to look like next season? I think would be the big question. Well, they still need to be able to re-sign Clem Costin. He's, I, I don't even think he's he cracks my, the lineup. 
I I think the best thing for him is to sign a two-year contract if they can really make this work because what he's likely trying to find is a one-way contract. He wants to be in the NHL. But if they can get him re-signed on a deal that will get him a two-year extension, two-way on the first year, one-way on the second, I think that could be ideal for both parties. Start him out in the AHL. If he wants to try and earn a spot in the NHL, that's great. Go through training camp, go through the preseason, and tell him you have the chance to crack the lineup. And with the injury to Torpchenko, he absolutely should. Absolutely should. You know, I think that Jake Neighbor should have a leg up here on him. But you know what? I throw everybody into the wolves and say, here, here's here's a stick, and whoever the last guy is that's holding the stick gets the spot. Just show me. So if he can be able to start out in the, the AHL, I think it's going to be best playing here with the Thunderbirds. And again, like they've got to be able to find themselves a trade partner again for Scandella. I think those are the absolute top two things that they need to be able to do here at this point. Yeah. Um, when I look at the lineup right now, what it could look like, I think um, the important part is figuring out your top nine. And once you do that, I think, it becomes a bit easier. And I think it's kind of obvious. Like if I'm if I'm running the show right now, my top line is Buchnevich, Thomas, Tarasenko. My yep. second line is Saad, O'Reilly, Kairou. Yeah. My third line is Barbashev, Shin, and Neighbors. Because I think Neighbors should absolutely be in the top nine if he's going to be here. And I think him is and he, Shin are great fits. Yeah. Is he more of a right-handed or left or um left wing? Yeah, I think I would probably switch that. I think he is a left winger. I just was I uh, kind of added okay. the uh, I was looking at daily faceoff and I they had Barbershop no, 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 left. Fine. I'll switch him. Uh, but then my fourth line, I'm going Nathan Walker, yeah, Nola Chari, and Josh Levo. But I think the Blues are going to go Brown or Costin for that last spot. But I think yeah. Levo should get another shot, and maybe he will eventually. Yeah, I could see him be able to split time here, like with Costin here at this point. And again. <sighs> If he's if Costin's not going to be getting top six, top nine spot, send him to the AHL. Send him down. Give him the ice time. Give him the responsibility. Shoot. If you can be able to, to try and make it work, I I almost try to ensure that he's getting top line. Give him top line. Give him first or second power play. I mean, give him every single opportunity to succeed to succeed in the AHL to give this guy a confidence boost because. He has bust status written all over him right now. And I've, I've been saying it for the last little while that they need to be able to trade this guy before his stock gets real low. And I'm telling you, his stock is real low. You know, when you've got, um, who's the guy, Snuggy, Snuggerud, mm-hmm. he's probably he's probably over him on the depth chart at this point. I, I You have to believe it. Okay. So the Blues trade Scandella. And their cap space gets and without having to retain their cap space gets to like four four mil four point two mil. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you do you use that on a player or do you keep that? I personally try to keep it for right now because if Tarasenko does not re-sign in St. Louis, having that cap flexibility at the deadline, I think could really help. Yeah, I agree, but also. I would have been willing to spend it if Nino Niederreiter was still out there, but he signed with Nashville. So yeah, uh, the other names out there that you think maybe bring him in, see what they can do with a third line, Danton Heinen, Sonny Milano, Ryan Donato. Yeah. 
Uh, that is if you don't believe in neighbors enough to be a third line winger. And also I'm kind of surprised that the blues didn't even explore the idea of capitalizing on Barbashev's value. And it's this high. Now I know they're trying to be good and all, but like he's probably never going to score that much again. So, yeah. and again, I mean, it takes, I mean, you know, I've said this a couple of times, you know, it, it takes two to make a deal. So who's to say that Armstrong is not trying to be able to make these deals. And I'm not trying to completely defend the guy, but I'm also going to defend the guy and say, you know, you don't know if there's been a move that he's trying to make here for defense. You don't know if he's been trying to be able to have conversations here with Tarasenko. You don't know the true conversations here with Perron, you know, like we went that last week as far as, you know, speculating here and there, and there's so many different reports. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he has tried to comp, you know, be able to make headway here on either a Barbashev deal or a trade. You, you don't know. I mean, you hope that he's doing something and he's not just, you know, hitting 18 after 18. So. Yeah. Um, it's just been far too quiet this summer and, and what mm-hmm. they've come away with, they've gotten worse. I don't think there's any questioning that like they haven't. Yeah. Replace the production of Perron. I don't think Letty makes them that much better coming back. Um, losing Huso, I think, is big because you're replacing him with an absolute washed-up veteran, which is what Grice is at this point. Yep. And uh, they've gotten worse to this point. There's still some time, still some things that they can do, but I don't see them getting any better. Now I think the Kachuk thing was the one chance, and it appears the Blues didn't really even try that hard. They kind of thought they could just fleece the Flames, which – yeah. Some of the GMs would probably allow that. I mean, what they did for O'Reilly and Shin and those deals and Falk seemingly, I mean, those were pretty good deals. But, um, yeah, disappointing offseason. I don't think there's any doubt. I still view Armstrong as a good general manager and still the right one for this team right now, but I think there's a chance that could change sooner rather than later. I think a lot of that is just some of the things, some of the way things have gone down since winning the cup have been very quick. Like there's a lot of questions to have about what they've done. Yeah. Um, Whether it's the way that they lost Petrangelo or kind of just trading for now Falk's been very good for the blues. I'm not saying he hasn't been, but trading for Falk pretty much getting in Petrangelo's head saying, yeah, we're not bringing you back. That's what Mm -hmm. that seemed like to me. Disgruntled Mm -hmm. Tarasenko with the franchise. Um, there's just the, the Scandella the extensions, the yeah. long-term extensions. And I'm going to include Shen on that one as well. Yeah. That one's, I mean, I love Shen. He's probably my favorite player that's on the blues roster here right now, just with his whole dynamic that he brings. But boy, that was a questionable move that he made. And again, you know, the early, signings here again like a scandela letting huso walk i mean all these different things not even trying to get perron back um by all accounts from perron i don't think perron would lie about that um yeah so we'll see if it pays off doesn't seem like it's gonna but you never know uh the blues have a lot more cap flexibility i would assume next summer just because the cap's going to go up at some point and you're going to have Tarasenko off the books. You're going to have O'Reilly mm-hmm. seven and a half off the books. You're going to have to extend Cairo at some point. I don't know if they'll get that done now or wait. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I, I think we should try to get a guest off the next episode. Episode 18, we'll try to find a guest for it. If not, I think we just 
do whatever we plan on. I don't even know what we're going to do. But we'll do something, I'm sure, uh, for episode 18. We'll be, we'll back, be back next week, though. Yeah, so. We'll be back. We'll talk blues. Yeah. Uh, you can follow the podcast at TBN Pod on Twitter. Check us out there. We'll be interacting and such. Uh, depressed blues fans like ourselves can can join to discuss the fact that they didn't even try for Kachuk or the fact that team's gotten worse. All that stuff we can talk about on there. Uh, but you can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at at M underscore Meyer three. And uh, we'll see you next time. The Believe Network for episode 18 of the Blue Note podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.